side of red or switch they die Rob of the dog who loud his motorbike Looking for legends on the sunset strip With a stone cold paranormal partnership Metal town break trying to sell me some crack Listen to the podcast man and take that shit back It's a Podcast about Hello and welcome to the series finale of series five. This is the finale of Urbane Legend, the internet podcast about urban legends and related subjects, which is the largest by volume that the internet has to offer. So if you're into quantity rather than quality, you're in the right place. Uh, I am one of your uh, hosts, Chris Flynn, and with me, as always, is a cheeky little fella I like to call Mr... Neil Herbert. Hi, Neil. We're at the end. Don't be denigrating the quality, Chris. Huh? Don't be denigrating the quality. There's no there's no simple measure of that. So there is no simple measure. You know. Um but I would Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, but there but there is a quantity as well, isn't there? The quantity. I mean, certainly has, we've got the quantity be, locked and loaded. Has to be considered. Yeah. Has to be considered with any comparison that you make quality, between quality let, and quantity. Let, let the listener decide. That's up to them, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I'm not I'm not the thought police. They no. can love it or hate it. Really. Maybe both at once if they're feeling confused. That's certainly how I feel about it. Yeah. So you know, how 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 do you feel the series gone? Do you know what I what I will say is because we've had outside stuff going on, poisonal wise, yeah. it's um it's been probably the most difficult to get Keep, keep doing week and week. Yeah, I think there's, there's been both uh, through well, world politics just seems to be a never-ending cesspool. But um, yeah, but with but, uh, personal yeah, internal personal stuff going yeah. on. So, um, but we've made it. You know, looks like we've made it um, through to the end. Through to the end. And um, do you know what? Like, it's been a bit of a blur. But I've looked back, and they're actually. I've, because I've, I've forgotten a lot of what we've done. Because no, I've not <laughs> had the luxury of, of, of doing a retrospective, to be honest with you. So I've had a look. So um, some episodes which I, I remember enjoying. Mm. Uh, I can uh, Let's have a look. So I enjoyed Charlie No-Face. That was good. Yeah, that was a good one. That was a bit different. It was different. I quite enjoyed Black Stick Men. Okay, yeah. Uh, I enjoyed the Platte River Ghost Ship very much. That was a oh, fun yes, one. Oh, yes, that was a good one. I thought that was a highlight of the season. I enjoyed Handsome Elevator Man, and that's under-listened to. So if you're... Mm, uh, get on that. Yeah, so I'd suggest giving that a listen. Um, Catchy, I enjoyed. Yeah, not bad. Sweeney Todd, I enjoyed that one as well. And, yeah, I mean, Sweeney Todd was going to be fun. I enjoyed doing all of them, but those ones, are actually, looking back, I was like, oh, those are quite standout for our... For entire back catalogue, really. So oh, yeah. it's not been too bad. Now, what would you give this series marks out of uh, ten overall? Um, it'll have to be a it'll have to be a nine, surely. Really? Probably oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this is <shut> <laughs> Um 
don't know, tricky, tricky to say. I haven't, I haven't listened back, but uh, I think for perseverance' sake, nothing else. Yeah, you've got that stuff going on that we've had to deal with personally. So, yeah, I'll time. give it a seven because you know me, I'm a perfectionist. Room for improvement, yeah, that's always. Good. So to, we'll never reach ten, Neil, because no. if you ever hit that, then you might as well just end it all. Do you know work. what I mean? And I don't mean the podcast. Yeah, no, I mean literally just on end air, it just to allure. <laughs> yeah, live. I mean, live. we can't. Unlike our American friends, we, we the guns are in short supply in the in the UK, but to mm-hmm. drink some hemlock or something, I presume that's easy to get hold of. Oh, you can get hemlock in the local yeah. boots. Yeah, don't worry about it. Health supplement these days. Um. So, Neil, uh, how how's your week been? Are you uh, you looking forward to having a little bit of time off? What are you going to be, be up it'll, to? It'll be good. It'll be good to uh, yeah, have a few more weekends off. Yeah, have you been to the Christmas market down in Port Slade? It's big in like, the big, yet, no. big, biggest Christmas tree in the world. Wow. Yeah. It's all got all the, the, it's about the Christmas market. It's in the centre where they've got all the, I mean, it, it rivals those in, uh, you know, Brussels and stuff. Well, it? it's, it's, well, it does. Belgium Road is very, very similar to the sort of market square in Belgium. Yeah. So they, they have it in the park behind Boundary Road. Um, Grand Place, whatever it is. And yeah. uh, apparently, it like its footprint is four square miles. Mm-hmm. So it's it's definitely like it's massive. Get anything there, um, you know. Got an ice rink in the middle. World's biggest yeah. Christmas tree. Use washing up gloves. Yeah, use washing up gloves. Yeah, second hand batteries. Oh yeah, got second hand batteries. Brands. Yeah, got um, you got remold tires for your bikes. Yeah. Mm. But all with like that Christmas Victorian spray on sex snow. toys. Victorian sex toys, Neil. Yeah. Oh, I knew you'd knew you'd notice those. Oh yes. How many have you got now? Quite the collection. We'll state Quite about the that. collection. Yeah, just for looking at. Wink, wink. Yeah, just for yeah, just for historic, just for history's sake. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting indeed. Um, so Neil, I believe that uh, for our final episode of the series. Uh, our subject is quite similar to the one last week. Yeah, we we independently came up with actually fairly um, fairly similar, but you could you could compare it to a sort of US UK, you know. Yeah, throwdown. take on taken a similar riff. Um, but yeah, it, it is. It, so this is the the Ilkley Moor Alien. Ilkley so, Moor so, Alien. So, I've heard of it. So we're, yeah, and it, I think it's a, quite a famous one as a denizen of the History Two channel. Oh, as nice. I am, then this is something which I'm aware of. Well, it's been described by Britain's Fox Mulder, who we'll be meeting later on, as a top ten of all is the it, UFO. That guy, that, that guy with glasses, yeah, Nick Pope. You know, we'll, we'll, let's let's not. Do rush you reckon ahead. that? Do you reckon? Because I can imagine, like, because he's gone, like he's he's full on the history two stuff. You're telling me this, yeah, yeah. I reckon that. He he strikes me as someone who you know, like um when Mulder and Scully were in The Simpsons. Yeah. Like the, when Mr. Burns was the was alien. The alien, yeah, yeah. And when Fox Mulder goes to Mo, uh, Fox Mulder, FBI, and he's got his FBI badge and underneath is a picture of him in and just his in his pants. Or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I reckon that Nick Pope's got that I reckon that he'd literally have that as well. Almost certainly, yeah. Nick Pope, ufologist, and then folds it down and um, just gets arrested or pepper sprayed or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Choose your poison. Mm-hmm. So are we, um, 
we going to dive dive right in? Um, well, I'm going to check in first, Chris, because I believe you had a oh, you no. had a, a nice little accumulator lined up last week. So we're just going to check out how that actually panned out. Yeah, was trying to avoid really? that. Um, not well, Mel. Not well. Okay, because um, you were quite confident at the time, weren't you? A sure thing, I think, was how you described it. Well, certainty. I may, yeah. Well, I thought it was, mm-hmm. um, but the uh, first match out of the six didn't get the result. Literally, which I was told. fell over at the first hurdle. First hurdle. Beautiful. So I, yeah, to say it, I was furious. So I put on my fighting dungarees, my puffer jacket, went down to the black market shop. Right to be seen. It's been boarded up. Yeah. He's taken that pound. And who knows how many pounds he got off oh, suckers yeah, like me. And he's he's fucked he's off to Worthington Worthing Worthington. Worthing try the same trick now. Yeah, he's gone to Worthing. Well, yeah. you know, if you're in Worthing, then you know, which you're not. But um but yeah, watch out. Like it's just a slippery customer. So yeah, two pound down mill. You well, know, you I can't know. afford that. Not You've in, got the price the experience, economy. Chris. That's priceless, that's valueless. Valueless, yeah. It is valueless, yeah. You're, yeah. No, you're right. No, you're right. To to cash. It was valueless. It's valueless experience. Uh, I can see, you know, I can see now the error of my ways. And um, I don't know. I'd just like to apologise to everyone who's listening, really. I know that they think very highly of me. And I've let everyone down. So... You know, I'm you know I'm always like like trying to be all smart on that, but it just shows you even me, even even someone even, like me, even, you, even someone like me, yeah. can fall foul to a predator. Well, at this time of year, let us all be on the, we'll be on the lookout. We'll be on the lookout. First bit of advice: if you've got any elderly relatives, take their phones from them and relay the messages through to them because there's a lot of phone scams on. So yeah. it's it's best not to give them any unfiltered access to the outside world. I mean, do it otherwise. You might as well just throw them at the mercy of the wolves. Yeah, you might as well, eh? Yeah. Might as well. And do you know what? Do you know what's going to happen then? They're going to get conned out of your inheritance money. There is that as well. So, you know, be, white, be, be streetwise... Tell no lies. Keep your eyes on the prize when your parent dies. That's what what I was taught when it comes to inheritance. We'll move swiftly on from that. <laughs> um, that did rhyme with Charles like. So we're going to start off just talking a little bit about the area. Ilkley itself. Or Ilkley Moor. It's up in Yorkshire. It is Bradford and West Yorkshire. Um, so the BBC page about it. Um, BBC? It's been archived and is no longer being updated. So the uh, the world famous more in three sixty um, photo is no longer the what? So there's a there's a there's a picture or it's supposed to be. So there's it's on the BBC Home website, right? Right, and it's no longer being updated. You know the big British company. This is this is, this is the outcome of the you know leveling up and all the rest of it. But what there was well, it's because to... it's because. Uh, Basically, people who used to be in the Conservative Party in one manner or another are now running the BBC, so they're covering it up. Well, there you go. Um, but no, obviously, there used to be like a 360 picture. So back when, you know, people used to always do that with cameras. You had that irritating mode you'd have on your camera where you take a 360 picture. Oh, what were you going? Spin, around, spin around. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe they had three, 360 cameras, I don't know. But um, yeah, the, the image is no longer loading. Uh-oh. That's a bit suspicious, isn't it? 
Yeah, well, again, this is a cover-up, but, um, you know, just in case any any little grey men suddenly start peeking out. What of a still picture? Well, it could be a still picture, or it could have been updated in real time back in the day, and we don't know, do we? You get that sometimes, don't you? Like people who's like a... Well, that's like a Kestrel box or something. Yeah, something like that. Kestrel box or place where there was once a UFO, maybe. Yeah. I imagine it was a static picture. Of Do you ever go on the um, live live cams? Not those ones. <laughs> oh, no, I mean, no and no would be your answer. But anyway, no, yeah. do you ever go on the live cams of other cities? I sometimes do before I travel somewhere because most cities in the world have got some live cameras and you can have a little look. Um, I've, not really, no. I, what, I've, what I've done in the past is like had a wonder. That's why you're always getting lost. Google Maps. Well, now that's what I do. You see, is go and have a look at Google Maps and Street View. Yeah, and no, I sometimes have a look at the live, wonder. the live things and go, oh, I wish I was somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> because live just on one location, so I prefer to sort of be able to move around. So yeah, but you views. can see what the weather's like, check out the traffic. Yeah, there is that. You can look at the forecast for the weather, can't you? Well, it's not quite the same. Yeah. Anyway. Well, you know, different, different strikes for different folks, Chris. Um, <laughs> so tell me more. Famous around the world... I'm going to debate this slightly. Yeah. Or on Ilkla Moor Batat, the song which celebrates it, which is now pretty much Yorkshire's national anthem. What? So it's famous around the world for Yorkshire's national anthem, which is apparently on Ilkla Moor Batat. Why? What's what language is that? I, I don't know. Alien? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. It's. I don't know whether that's going to be like a phonetic Yorkshire thing, and I'm just completely mispronouncing it. Anyway, right. let's let's let's. I mean, they they don't, like it's not do. like it's not like Yorkshire is like. And like they do a, a sort of regard themselves as their own part of the country. Well, they, they do, right? But it's not like they speak it. They don't actually have like a, a, no, a Yorkshire a language. language. Yeah. I think there's some some of the slang and dialect and stuff does is because yeah, it was influenced everywhere. by Viking influence years ago and stuff like that. You get that in Scots as well. But anyway, yeah, but it's not really. Yeah. Reek Gradley, is that Yorkshire? Reek Gradley. Yeah, all that sort um, of stuff. They also have a thing that you can get called pea wet. Oh, is which, the juice from the peas? Yeah, so when you get a tin of peas, the sort of sugary juice, you can just buy it in chip shops to go with your fish and chips. Mm. One. Can you have fish and chips and some pea wet? And some scraps. I'd like some scraps as well, please. I think you would get more interesting oh, for the Oh, that's Reek Gradley. Yeah, and a, and a bomb or a bat or whatever they call it. Yeah, have a bam kick. I always forget where these things come from. Um, but, yeah, I imagine the chip shops would probably be quite good. Well, I mean, it's quite, yeah, maybe may on the coast, but a lot of it's very landlocked. Yeah. You know, the one thing which I've known, Neil, is fish don't travel. There is that, yeah. Right. Anyway, so... Um, Ilkley's been the site of numerous UFO sightings out on the moor. Mm-hmm. I've only really been able to track down this one, but there you go. Jimi Hendrix once played there at the Troutback Hotel. He did. wonder if he spotted a UFO. Mm. Town is the home of a very famous tea shop, and an annual literary festival <laughs> is held here, which attracts some very big names like Benjamin Zephaniah, Jamie Oliver, and Ian Rankin, to name but three. Mm. I mean, Not bad. if Jamie Oliver's your literary giant, then... Well, Zephaniah well, and Rankin are pretty big. Oh, no, I agree with that. I wouldn't have called but Jamie, Jamie Oliver the literature. I mean, obviously, no, but he's, but he's just well-known, isn't he? Yeah. Sadly. 
but it's the more which could be argued makes ilk leap. So, Neil, um, for, our, on top, for our listeners, not in the UK, what, yeah. is, a, what is a moor? So, a moor is just like a, a large expanse of, I don't know what you call it, parkland, or it's like Grassland. natural, natural, yeah, glove. I think it's reasonably un, un, uh, uninterfered with by human hand, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how developed it is. I think it tends to be more natural. When you see a lot of countryside in England, and certainly in the sort of southeast and stuff, it tends to have been quite heavily... Um, managed by by people i think moors are more kind of wild and i mean if you anyone who's read um like you know bronte sisters or anything like that they usually be people wandering around going mad on the moors or whatever it's kind of you know beautiful windswept kind of location no, I'll, I'll give you the definition yeah. from dictionary a tract of open uncultivated, uncultivated upland, yeah. upland because yeah. it's up and it's high up uphill yeah. typically covered with heather yeah, okay but yeah, they tend to be reasonably huge, I believe. Um, yeah, the moors are the very UK big. anyway. Yeah, because you've got like um, I don't know, there's some other what they call what they're really massive moors. We can literally get lost for days on them. Yorkshire moors. Ooh, yeah, oh, yeah, that would be would or Bob, Bob Moor. Yeah, it could be that. I was thinking of. Um, yeah, it's not really. I mean, you don't get Michael so much Moore. of that down here, do you? It's um, you can get lost on Michael Moore for days. Yeah, Seven Sisters you wouldn't really get. I wonder that's quite a big area of country as well. Anyway, whatever. So that's um, that's our introduction to the auction wars. I'm going to go over to now. I'm going to jump around with a few different articles. But um, we'll start off with uh, the real Yorkshireblog.com. And this is from 2001, so fairly... Uh, it's the real Yorkshire blog, not none of that yeah. southern shite. Like the proper tea and all that sort of stuff. It's proper, proper Yorkshire blog in this. By Tim Barber. I don't know if it's still cake up to cake and a session but bitter. Oh, nice. You, you're having a sprinklers on the tap there. Of course you are. We're in Yorkshire. <laughs> that was a thing I'd heard about a couple of years ago. What? You heard of this. So um, I don't know exactly where it starts, but if you're in the north, they tend to do a thing. It's sort of, it makes the um, the bitter a bit more foamy. They call it a oh, sprinkler right. or something. Mm. Yeah, gives it a little bit. Yeah, a bit like, you know, you've ever had so you like, get, yeah, but you get a bit less in the can of nitrogen or something like that. Gives yeah. it that sort of effect, you know. It just means you get less beer. Well. Which fits in with the... Uh, gives it a smoother taste. Fits in with the thing about Yorkshire people being very frugal. Yeah. Slash tight. Yeah, but a lot cheaper as well, though. Ah. Uh, well, bit, yeah. Bitter is both both cheaper anyway, all around. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, everything's cheaper than where we live, let's be well, fair. Well, yeah. That's, well, apart from London, but yeah. Yeah. Even more ridiculous, but yeah, as well, six pound a point in some places. Fucking hell. I'd scare away any friendly Yorkshire folk. Quite rightly regard that as ridiculous. Well, and because I drink zeros, zero beer, then you can only get it in bottles still. So if I want a pint, I have to buy two bottles. So you're looking at nine quid plus. Not good, is it? Not good. Mm. I mean, I don't go out that much anymore. <laughs> well, no, not those prices. Yeah, I do wonder sometimes how the pubs can afford to stay open, but there you go. Not if we can't. No, the, the, I can envisage that within our lifetime, pubs will be finished. They won't exist. Mm. I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be sure on that. But uh, yeah, certainly, possibly a lot less than they. Well, it's meant to be a working. I mean, it was kept open working by the working class people, wasn't it? It's meant to be like a community sort of thing, and. Like, you wouldn't make much money on each pint, but it would be, you know, 
economies of scale because yeah, people yeah. go there a lot. Whereas now, like people just can't afford to go out, so they have gone on to make like. Thing is, a lot of them aren't really even pubs anymore. They're more kind of like restaurants slash. Yeah, pubs. yeah. And that's been, I mean, that's been the case for a good twenty know, years, isn't it? I don't know. Like, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if if there wasn't much in the way of pubs within our lifetime. But mm. you know, the thing is, things move on. So, well, yeah, things whatever. change in the day. Um, right. So, living in um, Burley in Wolfdale, I spend a lot of time on Elkley Moor with my dog. Love explore, exploring the wild moorland. So, when a friend sent me a podcast about the Elkley Moor alien, there you go. Oh, not oh. this one, obviously. I thought I needed to investigate further. Be weird um, if it was this one. Yeah, I know that would that would that would really um, yeah. that would Get really up. weird out this whole thing. I'll put the cat amongst the pigeons. Oh, don't know, don't know how we cope with that. After all, I didn't fancy missing my tea after being abducted. Never liked the sound of being probed. I think mm. it's going to be a bit jokey this one. And well, nothing wrong with that. Well, to be honest, you know, fair enough. Fun with the subject. Maybe maybe it's some of us do like like the idea of being probed. Yeah, yeah, it's no problem, is it? Each to their own. Exactly. Maybe some of us with Victorian instruments. Maybe so. <laughs> so, Ilkley Moor is just one of 14 moors which join together to form the larger Rumbles Moor. There you go. They're full of history and have the largest concentration of cup and ring mark stones dating to the Neolithic in England. Mm. There's, a, there's a stat for you. Cut and ring mark stones. Yeah. Lovely. So it's also got its own... Uh, I probably won't pay the 400 quid train fare to go and see yeah, him, but... No. I, I, think it, I mean, it looks very beautiful, actually. They've got a few photos out here. But this them. is the thing, right? Because I was looking at... Because I'd like to see York, the town, because it's got like a nice, like, properly medieval quarter and yeah. stuff. And I was thinking, oh, that'd be nice. And I looked how much it would cost for me to get there and back on the train, even if I booked ahead. And it was like... There and back would cost me about 220 quid. And I was like, well, I mean, as much as I'd like to see York for that, I could fuck off on holiday for a week, like somewhere, somewhere yeah. else. Do you know what I mean? Like, and it's not going to be cheap when you're there either, like the hotel. No, because York is very, um, I mean, yeah. it's not that, it's not massive. And it's, it's kind of like, um, the, the, you know, it, it's like, oh, why don't people like just have staycations or holiday in England? It's, well, it's because it's fucking crazy price to go anywhere. It's cheaper to get a flight to fucking. Any other place in Europe, Charmel Shake or something, yeah, and then a yeah. cut price accommodation, everything. Yeah, it, it was funny because I mean, things were getting worse in that respect. I remember going to Edinburgh it was probably a good eight years ago, or something now. Um, was that when you were doing your one man thing at the festival? Yes, mm. didn't go well. Less um, about the bear. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, it, it was actually reasonably. Um, not, it wasn't too but too bad to actually get back up and back of the train at the time. Mm. I think I even went first class treat myself because it was only like an extra tenner or something. But uh, nice, yeah, it was very nice because you know you get your own seat and all the rest of it, get a free cup of tea. Um, not really. I mean, free, I mean, you've spent the extra twenty quid, but no, it's just nice to have a sort of like. But this is like, but this is like how private. little. This is how little we expect. Yeah, and the it's like. Well, it's only an extra twenty quids, and you know, I got a seat and I got a cup of tea. It's like, yeah, like, yeah. The, like that's like in Europe, that's standard for third class, and it costs you one tenth of the price. Wouldn't get the free tea, but yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, my, um, yeah, I mean, having travelled on um, around Spain, some trains for friends, yeah, Italy, I did miles better. 
Yeah. Germany, weirdly enough, is not. I mean, the trains are quite comfortable, but they're they're notorious for not get turning up on time. They would get there, having said that, which is not always the case in the UK, um, and they're not massively overpriced, which is another nice yeah. factor. I mean, I think that's the really problematic thing in England is the fact that actually you can end up getting a fucking taxi half of the route, as has happened to some people who had, went up to Edinburgh recently, and um, and it costs you an absolute arm and a leg as well these right. days. Crap service and really expensive. Best of both yeah. worlds. Anyway, it's not the uh, Moan About Trains podcast. No, but I mean, what it does is it puts me in the mind of, uh, I wouldn't mind if we had alien overlords. Yeah. To be honest. If can't, they were coming can't down. Can't do any worse. Cotton onto our train service and go, well. We can fix that. Yeah, sort it out. I mean, say what you will about aliens. They might have killed one-fifth of humans, but they made the trains run on time. Well, you know. <laughs> And maybe so that was part of the solution. Here's um here's a theoretical question for you, which I was thinking about. Um so if some aliens did contact humans, yeah, and they said to you, right, you're the person who they contact for whatever reason. Yeah. Right? And they've said to you, look, we uh like basically we've got like loads of great stuff that'll really help you. So we've got some We've got this technology here, and it's it'll give everyone free power forever. It doesn't cook, like there's no side effects. I like fusion, whatever, like that kind of thing. So we're ha- we're going to give we're happy to give that to you. In return, we would like to take a million random humans from the Earth. We won't tell you what for, but that's what we want in return. Would you take the deal? Oh, is it is it my decision to make? Uh, yes. They're asking you. Dunno, I don't know if I could go. Hmm? Dunno, don't know, don't know if I could doesn't What if they said to you? Oh, if you're right. being strictly utilitarian about this, the answer probably should be yes, because yeah. you know What if they said what, what if they said, Do you know life, what? Chris? Make it two million and we will give you uh medical oh, okay. te- we'll give you medical technology a thousand years advance of what you have. But two million. We take them at random. Am I in the two million? Maybe, you random. Are, maybe not. It's, it's at it's, random. I mean, that almost makes it better in a way. Probably, yeah, to be honest with you. Because yeah. I mean, I'm equally I'm equally likely to be affected. Mm. But yeah, this, well, yeah, not going to happen, is it? But uh, well, I know, but now, what, would you, what would you do? It doesn't matter. Oh, it doesn't matter. We, Moral coward hiding behind his. I would have said. I would have said yes. They can take the people, even if they haven't offered, just as a sweetener. Yeah. What if that? What if? So what if aliens? That's the they keep coming back with. Oh, oh yeah. Now when we said a thousand years in future, well, actually, not not that advanced. No, they'd have to. You'd get to see it and test it out and stuff. Like the deal. The deal is the deal. They're not going to go. No, it's not. My oh, you didn't read the small print. Okay, so this is more of a philosophical question. Yes, it's a philosophical question. What if aliens came to Earth and they said, "We're this really big, powerful galactic empire, right? We're basically going to either like so we can either do this by force or we can do it by consent. We'd like to make Earth a vassal state." We'll put a few like alien bits here and there, but apart from but apart from that, like you can be part of the intergalactic uh, 
trading empire and you'll get all the advantages of all our technology and stuff you'll be able to deal with a lot of local Bre- finally it's the benefit because <laughs> we're talking about brexit benefits you we can, couldn't have you, done this if it's still been in the eu your the powers will be devolved to you but we but you know like yeah. essentially essentially like you're a vessel you're going to gain yeah would you take that deal i mean again i was 100 percent well, yeah, you probably would have to, wouldn't you? Because it's not, I mean, it's not really a by consent because you're saying we can do it by force or we can do it by consent. Right, what, if they, what if they said, what if it was not, not we won't do it by force. Here's here's the offer. It's once in a lifetime. Take it or leave it. I mean, yeah, probably you're not going to get it. Well, would you take it? Probably, yeah. Yeah, why not, eh? Why not? Anyway, there on go. with the story. <laughs> revealed I've got a price. It was good. Um, and I've revealed that I'm a psychopath. Yeah. <laughs> Where did I get to? Oh yeah, we we're right on the out on the mall. Um, he, he he doesn't like people who get probed, which is what I'm no, reading between the lines. So he was talking about how it's um it's got its own small stone circle, the Twelve Apostles, which he's blogged about previously. Oh, uh, you can go to the York, real Yorkshire blog, read Tim Barber's thoughts on that if you would like. Um. But the story of the Orkley Moor Island is more recent and dates back to 1987. Mm. When I was but five years old. Yes. And you um, just finished your, your my, uh, graduate degree. My third, yeah. Um, <laughs> my third decade. Yeah, that was nine. nine. Um, yeah, and just when we'd had the... Uh, the big storm. The hurricane, not not long mm, before, I think. I can't hurricane. remember exactly which month that was. Around September, maybe. Um, as a testimony comes from a retired policeman, should we take it more seriously? I'll let you make your own mind up. Mm. Philip Spencer was taking a walk across the moor on the morning of the 1st of December 1987 to visit his father-in-law. It was a walk he'd done many times before, and that morning he'd taken his camera... Did his father-in-law live on a cave, in a cave, or...? Well, no, I'm assuming he was, like, walking from I one know. end of the moor to the other. Yeah, I mean, maybe he did. Maybe he was a wild man of the moor or something. Exactly. Who knows? I'm interested to know his story. His history is silent on that fact. Well, suspicious, um, suspiciously so. Well, yeah. Um, anyway, he took his camera because he loved taking a picture of the landscape. It's, you know, it's a very beautiful scenery. Boring. To be oh, you've got no, no poetry in your soul. Learn how to paint, mate. As is often the case at that time of year, and, you know, he's gotten something... That, Fancier than the Polaroid camera that we've. So as we say, this is oh, a similar gonna... to last week's story. Nice. So he's going to end up with a with a uh, picture of a little fella, and we'll see how they stack up against each other. Um, well, I will say the moors looks looks probably slightly more scenic than uh, perhaps uh, a farm in Alabama, but hey, each to their own. Um, yeah, anyway, so he took taking his camera along. As was often the case that time of year, a mist hung over the moor, making navigation more difficult. It was then that Spencer saw a being standing in the mist. Mm. At first he thought it was another walker, but on approaching, realising it was something unnatural and strange. <laughs> the creature, whatever that might be, was waving an arm and apparently gesturing for him not to approach. Don't get me closer. So he managed to take a picture and the creature ran away. I can this see is the picture. Very similar to last week's story. <laughs> I can see the picture. Oh, you were going to say I was going to I was going to post in the chat the picture. So mm. it, I looks mean, like, it looks like it's got. It looks like it's got a clubbed hand. 
Yeah, it looks like it's badly made out of plasticine, doesn't it? Or Play-Doh, as our American friends would say. It's weird, because if you look, if you see the actual original picture, it's yeah. kind of like a lot, a lot of the ones that they say now, they tend to zoom in on the relevant bit. There's, yeah, like, there's, there's some kind of potential figure standing in the middle of a path that sort yeah, of loops around. And, uh, but it's very, very blurry. It's very hard to see. You can just about see what... And the film's slightly overexposed as well on the right-hand side. Yeah, it's not a great so, photograph. I thought he was a keen photographer. Well, this is what we're being told. Wow. Maybe, you know, maybe a shaky hands because of what was going on. Do you think that when he got into the press right, and people started asking him, he started saying he was a keen photographer to try and get, you know, a bit more... Yeah. Be a bit more interested into the ladies. Uh, could, could have been that. We'll, we'll, we'll see later on how it pans out for him. So... He managed to take a picture, the creature ran away. Um, he tried to follow the creature, but claims he then caught a glimpse of a craft with a domed top rising into the sky and disappearing into the distance. Mm-hmm. So when you eventually... a picture of that as well. Oh, OK, I've not seen this guy. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really, I mean, it's just a speck in the distance. OK, yeah, because I, I didn't see that he captured that. Um... Yeah, when he eventually reached his father-in-law's house, visibly shaken, the village clock and all the clocks in his house were an hour ahead of his watch. Oh, lost time. Yeah, leading him to believe he could have been the victim of an alien abduction. Maybe he got a probe and... Yeah, maybe he did. We'll, we'll come on to that later on. But Did he feel was... strangely satisfied afterwards? <laughs> well, yeah, he definitely yeah, he felt a bit sort of more... Uh, At peace? Relieved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one with the universe. So it appears to show a slightly blurred four-foot alien creature. It's been analysed hundreds of times, and experts conclude that the figure has not been superimposed and shows no, no resemblance to any local wildlife. No, it's bipedal, isn't it? With yeah. two, two clubbed hands. Slightly it looks that way. Simeon. Does it's say got, he, he was in too much shock a bit, to get a picture of the flying machine. Its head, whilst not as exaggerated, is a bit E.T.-ish. Because it's kind of flat on the front with a protrude, like protruding skull out the back, with two deep eye sockets. Yeah, it's and it's kind of like hunched over, or its head's in a weird. It's looking over its shoulder. It's looking like uh, to its right. What do you think? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So potentially. Yeah, yeah, okay, so it could be eye sockets. As I say, it's very, very blurry, so you have to look this up. Listeners. But um, apparently this sighting is just one of many reported UFO sightings in the area. Many seem to happen near the previously mentioned 12 Apostle Stone Circle. I've not really seen a lot around. If you Google, will be more UFO. This yeah. is the one that everything leads to. Yeah. So it's definitely the most famous one, even if there have been other um, sightings. Um, but the fact that the story has a, a photograph to back it up, it's now ranked as one of the top 10 most important alien sightings in the UK. Wow. You think it'd be higher? I'd be quite interested to see what those top what else is in the top ten. But that Rendlesham one, which I thought we were gonna do, uh, I think that's probably the top one. Okay. Well we'll have a look at that some other day then. And there he goes. No one knows why the alien chose Ilkley to visit, but I think he may have just he or she may have just fancied a pint of Ilkley Brewery Mary oh, Jane. Shut up, right. Or a Betty's fat rascal shut after up. a long journey from Shut Mars. up. Shut up. <laughs> Not you, him. Going down the pub and having... Do you like the fact that it's called Mary Jane as well, the point? Pint of Mary Jane? Yeah. Mm. Or Betty's fat rascal. There you go. 
and the podcast can be linked to as well from uh Hey, one day maybe our podcast will be linked to something, eh? Yeah, you never know. I mean, pr- presu- get... presumably a defamation case. Yeah, probably. A <laughs> cease and desist letter or something like that. Um, some some sort of court evidence. Yeah. Um, you know, we might get on a blog one day, you never know. Um, no, so that's that's kind of like, just, that was just like one one part, so a slight humorous take on it. So I'm going to pick out now some of the some of the more um, detail on the on the wiki page. Okay. So this is a, an alleged UFO incident on Ilkley Moor, 1st of December, 87. So a retired police officer claimed he was abducted by aliens while on a morning walk. So we'll, we'll get into the abduction bit in a minute. But he, so the, the photograph suddenly, um, subsequently became a news story in the UK, cited as one of the strongest pieces of evidence that we have that extraterrestrials have visited the Earth. Which is damning. Yeah, it doesn't say a lot. It has also been described as incredibly blurry. Yeah. Yeah, that's true enough. And sceptics have dismissed it as a hoax, saying that the photograph could be a, a man or a cardboard cutout. Um, I don't think it could be a cardboard cutout. Yeah, it looks it, a bit three. It's three dimensional. It looks a bit too three dimensional for a cardboard cutout. And uh, yeah, it's not. If it's a bloke, it's a bloke in a weird suit. I mean, that like it could easily. You could I'm obviously you could, a hoax. Yeah, yeah, you, you could make something that looked like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's not a cardboard cutout. That's for sure. It's 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 three dimensional. Now, this is the interesting thing, is that Philip um, Spencer, who was the one who took the... Um, he moved from London to remote West Yorkshire with his wife and child in order to be closer to his wife's family following retirement from the police force. So he's an ex, mm. ex-policeman. Okay. Um, yeah, and he was visiting his father-in-law in East Morton. He took his camera and a compass with him in case there was fog. Yeah, so he's walking up a small hill, noticed an odd figure just on the trail ahead of him. It was dark green and about four feet tall with an oversized head and long, thin arms. It made a gesture, which he thought was telling him to sort of stay away, but then he decided to take out his camera and take a picture of it. It then ran away and he followed it, but he lost it in the fog and then saw the craft rise but couldn't get a picture of the craft. Described the craft as being a whitish colour and consisted of two saucer-shaped parts that were attached, with one being on top of the other with a loud hum. Um, so rather than continuing with his planned route he headed to another town that was about half an hour away and when he arrived he discovered he was two hours later in the day than he expected to be and the compass that he'd taken with him was pointed in the opposite direction than it should have so already some inconsistencies yes. so the, the first article said that he did take a picture of it and this one said of the craft no it didn't, it, the, the other article did, did say he didn't, didn't get a picture I oh, think okay. he said he'd seen well, what looked like I'm, yeah yeah and they're both consistent on that one, to be fair. And the, wasn't the time one hour in the last one, and this one it's two, or am I getting that wrong as well? Yeah, I can't remember. Um, I think matter. the other one wasn't terribly serious either, to be honest with you. So we, we, can, we can go with that. But here's what's interesting. So in the days following the alleged incident, he made contact with UFO researcher Jenny Randalls and Peter Hoff. Um, Hoff claimed to have been extremely sceptical at first, but later came to believe Spencer, who then handed over the copyright of the photo to him. Although the story quickly made the news, Spencer insisted on keeping his anonymity, so the name that we're using is apparently a pseudonym. Um, But various write-ups of the case have made it clear that he didn't make any money from the story. Um, But whether whether or not um, Randalls and Hoff did, who knows. 
Um, so as well as, well as examining the site, they sent us um, the photograph to a number of experts. A wildlife photographer examined the photograph, said it was not from any known animal. And experts from the Kodak Laboratory in Hemel Hempstead said they could not detect any evidence of tampering. I mean, I think fair enough. It's um, mm. Bruce McAbee, a U- U.S. Navy optics ex- expert and ufologist, concluded the photograph was too grainy for proper testing. It's too grainy. Get this shit out of my face. It's too grainy for proper testing. What is it with you fucking limeys? Get a decent camera. Get a decent camera, you you fucking animals. And according to ufologist Nick Redfern, he was hassled by the Ministry of Defence a few days after the incident on the moor. He said they opened a file on Spencer and sent two men in black to his home to intimidate him into silence. Oh, so Nick, Nick Redfern is can't intimidate an ex-copper from London in oh, the 70s. Unlikely. Yeah, you want to fuck off He'd have been dealing with a fucking craze. Oi, I, I don't know who you think you're talking to, but I'm not one of these soppy Yorkshire types. I'm from the East End. I knew Ronnie and Reggie. <laughs> I knew what they got up to. I turned a blind eye sometimes to keep the peace. I think you could come round here and tell me not to talk about this alien bastard. Got another fucking thing coming, squire. If you want it, I will invite you, sir, to step out on the cobbles and we'll see who's intimidating and who isn't. I mean, I thought Men in Black was more of an American phenomenon anyway. I didn't didn't know that. But hey, hey, who knows? Now, it's just, I think it's just a catch-all for yeah, secret shadowy government forces or, yeah. or whatever. Um, so his account actually changed under hypnosis. So while the photograph has been examined, Spencer claimed he experienced strange dreams. Excuse me. Following Hoff's advice, he attended a session of aggressive hypnotherapy. Go to sleep. Comes out with some classic. Go stuff. to sleep. This Look at my watch. That was carried out like about. Three months later, 16th of March, 98. And under hypnosis, the original account changes. Shingleton has um, called it genuine recall. Mm. So he now recalls that upon seeing the creature on the hill, he was instantly paralysed. He was then lifted up a few feet and pulled into the craft. And when he entered the craft, a voice told him to be calm. Be calm. A group of green aliens then performed medical experiments on him, inserting instruments into his nose and mouth. He was given a tour of the craft and shown a film. What do, you well, think, what do you think the film would have been? 1988 Die Hard, maybe? <laughs> From Ghostbusters 1. Yeah. You can't that even get it. This hasn't even been out in the UK yet. Yeah, it'd be good if they showed him something from the 90s or something. Like, Do you remember yeah. in the old days when uh, films wouldn't come out globally at the same time? So, like, they'd come out in America. Wait about three years. Not three years, I think that was when they came on TV. But, yeah, no, it'd be a good... Well, it could be up to a year and a half before we, we saw it. Yeah. Well, and, like, episodes of Neighbours, famously, were about six months behind, which oh, is an Australian yeah. soap opera, which was popular in the UK. And then because I believe it's starting again. Well, they had to boat over the the VHSs, didn't they? In the, by yeah. steam by steamship. Well, they, yeah, you know, you know, you know all of that. Could tape. post them. No, you can't just post it. You can't just carry them. It costs a fuel on a flight. Now you're going to you know, bring it around in a yeah, in a tugboat. In a tugboat, yeah. Often got lost at sea, didn't it? Yeah, well, they, and then they would. They turned out several just in case. 
Well, they, um, do you remember they sent Harold and Madge on one once to uh, go and, go and uh, do a tour of the UK? Yeah, because they were going to meet the royal family, weren't they? Yeah. They did actually do some sort of tour of Brighton at one point. I can't remember who it was. It was some, I think it might have been Harold and Madge. Well, they, like, um, they went to see it at Churchill Square. Oh, really? Years and years ago. Yeah. Well, famously, the cast of Neighbours would come over for panto season and they'd yeah. all do a different panto show so that Harold and Madge might have been in, like, one of the Royal Pavilion. Or the Royal, yeah, I think it would be just over panto. I mean, they did do because some, like, little open, get, open bus tour. You get paid a shitload to do panto if you're famous. Yeah. Uh, panto, for those who aren't in the UK, oh, is uh, around a tradition in the UK, a really old one, is around sort of the holiday period, Christmas period, they will put on uh, an old fairy tale, but sometimes it'll be, like, updated yeah, a bit more, like, like Puss in Boots or Cinderella. Yeah, Jack, Jack and the Beanstalk or something like that, yeah. The, or the, <laughs> I'll there's, a, there's a gay one that, that, that normally plays in Brighton, which is, like, because we have a, a, a large uh, gay uh, community in Brighton, yeah. called Jack and His Big Stalk. Nice. Yeah, that's the level of jokes you're going to get. And there usually is a bit of winking for the... Yeah, so it's you like... You get um, adult pantos as well, but it tend, generally tends to be for kids, but with a bit of winking at the, for the for the dads and mums. Yeah, a bit of double entendre yeah, and double kind of stuff. And, all that, and yeah. so you'll normally get sort of, like, famous people, but not, like, superstars. Like, people off soap operas and that kind of thing who will, like, play the star roles in a panto and they get paid a shitload. Yeah, it'll be either an ex-soap star or a disgraced MP or something, something, someone of that calibre of celebrity. Or a comedian who's on his uppers. Yeah. yeah be someone in the from, middle. Someone, so normally it'll be someone who was famous 15 to 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, so that's Pantos. Uh, yeah. Where's I going with that? Uh, no, that's it. Just explaining Pantos. Just explaining what Panto is, yeah. Apparently, and I don't know whether this is true or not, but I heard uh, from people... When I went to Australia for a bit, like to travel when I was like twenty-one, because a lot of lot of backpackers go to the Neighbours Experience. I think it's in Adelaide. Oh, okay, yeah, it's a genuine street, isn't it? I believe a bit like with um or a um, like, street or whatever. Or like it's a gr- I think it's Grundig Studios, and that, that might be in Melbourne. Actually, I can't remember anyway. I but think it's in Melbourne, but I could be wrong. Anyway, apparently, yeah. so because backpackers are idiots and stuff, like sometimes. People would say, "Oh, like, oh, you like, like, shout, oh, you're fat, or whatever," to Harold Bishop, and he had a standard line that he'd I come back say, with that million times. Yeah, and he had a standard line, which is, "That's because whenever I fuck your mum, she gives me a biscuit," and he just walk off. <laughs> Excellent work, Harold, or whatever his real name is. Yep. Anyway, <laughs> that's good to know. And, and yeah, he was definitely been in pantomime in the UK. Yeah. Yeah, you said that. I mean, that talking of things coming, that's, it's, that's come back to life now, apparently. I, don't know what channel yeah. it on. I think it might be going on Amazon or something weird like that. Yeah, it's on for a free, freebie thing on Amazon, yeah. Yeah. Come back to more life more often than Jason Foley's. Anyway, yeah. um, yeah, because I, I mean, I don't know, but I don't know if you saw it. So there was, um, all right, this is the last we're going to talk about neighbours, but um, <laughs> there, there was a big ending because they finally, basically, people in the UK had stopped watching it. They couldn't, yeah. couldn't actually sell it to any of the channels for enough to produce it anymore. Um, it was mainly where I think they were getting their funding from. But I don't think anyone in Australia really. That no, was on Channel 5, wasn't it? In yeah. The end. Um, 
But uh, yeah, it's a, a load of you know quite a lot of famous people have been on it in the past. Yeah, like Margot Robbie, yeah, Kylie like Russell Crowe, Margot Robbie, Kylie Minogue, um, Eric Banner. Yeah, I mean anyone, basically anyone oh, famous is Australian. They would have, yeah, they would have cut their teeth on one yeah. of two soaps, basically. Um, that's the longest running one. So yeah, a load of a load of sort of famous faces came back. Well, I think Guy Pearce is probably one of the big yeah. international names that they would have had. Um, I don't think Russell Crowe made a, a reappearance. No, I don't think I don't think he was a very famous character. I don't know if he was on that one or Home and Away, but I know he was on one of them. No, he was on Neighbours, but it was only like as a bit part, playing like Thug Number Three or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, there was, there was this whole big sort of send off, and you know, famous faces coming back to kind of like play their characters again for one last time, and. Uh, just another resurrected it yet again. <laughs> I don't suppose I'll be doing that again in the future. Um, anyway, yeah, so account changed up. I don't notice. So, yeah, he, he was shown a film. I think that was where we ended up spinning off into that cold sack. Um, it wasn't Die Hard, apparently, Chris. The film showed apocalyptic imagery. Although, well, maybe the magazine guitar. Yeah. Um, including nuclear explosions. Maybe not. Famines and floods. Mm-hmm. Spencer was then shown a second film. Mm-hmm. He has never revealed the contents of the second film, saying the aliens who abducted alien him porn. did not want humanity to know. Alien porn. Yeah, that could be. <laughs> this is what we get up to. Well, it's weird. I mean, that's, oh, I don't know. Like, even if all oh, the aliens told me not to. Right. Well, maybe, maybe you signed a non-disclosure agreement. I don't care. I'd still say it. But what are they going to, what, the aliens going to take you to court? Space court? I think it's quite good, though, because it creates a little hook, doesn't it? Yeah, but that's the fucking point, isn't it? I mean, to what end? Keep talking to me, I've got the secret. Yeah, I've got a mystery in your name. I'm a mystery boy. Why I'm really special. Yeah. Just bragging, isn't he? It's pathetic. Anonymous fuck. Yes, pathetic. I'm glad he is anonymous. Um, so he's returned to the Orkney Mall, where he then took the famous photograph, and now he thinks that the alien was actually waving goodbye. Not Bye. Bye. The inter- intergalactic symbol. Back to Mars. Human. Don't tell about the film. No, you know about second movie. Don't talk about first. That Which just sound for, for your eyes only. I mean, it doesn't sound like they're massively ahead of us in terms of film technology. Or anything, really. Nuclear explosions, famines and floods. There you go. Well, that was a portent of where we could be heading, and the second one presumably was another place where we could be heading. But it could be like humans and aliens living together and that. Um, but, you know, don't tell them. They need to do something first, yeah. yeah. I mean, who knows? Maybe it was like something nice could happen. But if you if you, if you you let them know, then uh, you know, it, won't. it won't. So who knows? There might be other ways to sort of keep them silent. Um, but it sounds very much like a, a nice little mystery hook to sort of draw people in. It's the sort of J.J. Abrams of... Uh, well, yeah, just to keep getting paid your 50 quid to do an interview or whatever. Well, that's the thing, though, but he's stayed anonymous ever since and has never... Um, I say, I don't know whether or not... I mean, I, the obvious thing is, is that the, the, the policeman's entirely made up and it was um, all <laughs> the, you know, the ufologist making... But I'm not saying that that's what happened. But no. That's, that's another, another potential thing. That kind of thing doesn't happen. No, well, or what you... And also, we're about to we're about to bring to bear some uh, some authority here, Chris. Finally, so legacy. 
The Ilkley Moor incident in, um, generated headlines in the UK at the time and remains one of the country's most famous UFO sightings. Nick Pope, and we mentioned him at the top of the podcast. So this Popster. is the, the, the UK's Fox Mulder. International sex symbol, yeah. Nick Pope. He's a journalist who had previously worked at the mm. UFO desk at the Ministry of Defence. So let's quickly duck into Nick Pope, actually. And Nick Pope, ufologist and yes. Newcastle United goalkeeper. Indeed. So, we'll quite a lot on his plate. We'll, we'll quickly just talk about Nick Pope, just to introduce this character. So, he's a, a media commentator and former civil servant. And he was on, he moved to the States in 2012, apparently. But back in this day, back in these days, he's working for Ministry of Defence. Nice work if from, you can get it, isn't it? Not, not too shabby. Yeah, for 20 years, um, give or take, from 85 to 2006. And from 91 to 94, he worked in. Secretariat Air Staff Sec AS2A, more commonly known as the UFO desk. Mm-hmm. So apparently his duties included investigating reports of UFO sightings to see if they had any defence significance. So this is actually a well-known thing. It's a bit like yeah. they had the um, Project Blue Book, or whatever it's called in the States, where they would, you know, because I think the, the fear at the time was it might be potentially like Russian yeah. spy planes or whatever, um, but also keeping an open mind in terms of his un- unidentified area Project phenomenon. Blue Book. Didn't keep an open mind, but... Okay, well, what, I don't know, yeah. whatever. But supposedly on this one, if you look at his um, website page and stuff like that, he's, he, he will basically say, I've, I've never come across concrete evidence of no. anything but around... He's five, just asking questions. Just asking questions, that's all you like. Um, but apparently around 5% can't be explained, is what he, he claims. Um, obviously, this has got him sort of like a, a nice little learner now in terms of... He's a stalwart of History Channel 2, yeah. He's got he's got documentaries on Amazon about UFOs and that. He's on Ancient Aliens a lot. Could it be? Could it be? You never know. Um, But yeah, apparently the government's X Files have now been closed down. So for funding reasons, in two thousand and six, the the whole thing was sort of shut down. But um, and he's gone on to appear on the Mediator as a commentator. yeah, so apparently you you've saying, Chris, you've seen him on a lot of... Uh, yeah, he says Canada's history television. Um, I have. It's also been on the UK's Yesterday, which I've never heard of. Um, Yesterday. On the Smithsonian Channel on the US. Apparently the UK's got a channel called Yesterday. Yeah, which that's, is the on, that's on preview, I think. Oh, OK. So that, that's actually UK history, so that's a, a very similar yeah. kind of thing. Um, and he's written a book called Open Skies, Closed Minds. Um, yeah, in which he concludes that an alien race is waging a secret war on humanity, a position he has come to distance himself from since the publication of the book. Weird, isn't it? Mm, interesting. So, yeah, you kind of think <laughs> he might be might be making a bit of money out of it. But Write the book, no. then say... I didn't say that. Yeah. I didn't, <laughs> what are you talking didn't about? didn't really mean that. It was probably... I mean, you look at his kind of quotes on his website, he just he sounds a bit more level-headed and just kind of said, well, there's a few things that you can't fully explain. And uh, who knows, something might have happened, but I've not got any, never had any clear evidence. Was the kind so of he is not as level-headed when he's on stuff. Yeah, but so, so, so you know, I, that, that's your authority of... figure who's given credence to this story, basically. Right. Make of that what you will. He's kind um, of... Um... The more you pay him, the less level-headed he's willing to be. 
Okay, fair enough. It seems to be, doesn't it? If he's written, if he's written a book and then instantly distanced himself from his own writings, he might have changed his mind, I suppose. But yeah, that's it's I mean, well, a, a bit of a bit of a um, bit well, of a weird, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, to come out with something quite so. Um, yeah, to come to that conclusion and then, yeah. Well, I would assume, you know, aliens and humans are at war. Right, that's the book done. Second thoughts, no, no they're not. Yeah. <laughs> Coincidentally, change your mind. that just a nice log line for you to be able to sell the book? Because uh, well, yeah, because got no real proof, doesn't really. Because presumably the book would have some kind of explainers behind why he thinks that. Yeah. Or, or I don't know. How's, how's he come to that conclusion exactly? Yeah. Why, why has he since changed his mind? Anyway. Why was he removed from the civil service? Well, I, don't, I, don't, I mean, he was going to be shut down anyway, I guess, that, that, that side of things. And he might have just... Mate, the thing, mate let's, let's be totally honest. If the History Channel went, right, uh, we've loved the podcast, um, but you're really sceptical and that doesn't really go well with the History Channel stuff, but we like your dynamic. Would you do a series where you pretend to actually believe in all this stuff? Here's like, here's how much we're willing to offer you. We'd just go, yeah. Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, like, I know I'm not, I'm not like... Oh, it's just, the thing is, it's, it, it's a shame because it'd be nice if you knew what people's actual like thoughts and beliefs were but in reality no you know, for those you know it's entertainment isn't it the history channel it's not science that's what it's become yeah absolutely may have been a history channel at one point in time but well the history channel is but not the history two channel oh okay don't, don't know i'm not which is the more 40 and okay they're the one that gets more into this sort of all the, all the nonsense um yeah, and it's been cited as one of the most pers- persuasive UFO incidents ever to ever occur, which I think you already stated was, you know, doesn't say a lot for, for the believability no. of it. I'm going to have to look up his top ten as well. It's only, it doesn't say where in the top ten it fits. Um, anyway, let's let's move to the sceptics now, if you haven't already. So they've claimed the whole incident is a hoax. They've said the photograph is so blurry, it's, you know, any proof of any visits to Earth can't be talked about. They've claimed it, well, we've already said it, the man on the car will cut out necessarily that likely they also asked why spencer did not take a photograph of the craft noting that such a photograph would be more difficult to fake um and the physical evidence about the broken compass is easy to because he was busy know. watching films did they not yeah. listen we didn't realize yeah he'd been well but i think well, like, well when, depending on what so look now the ufo sightings in the you know to kim see if there's any more in Ilkley more well, going all the way back to the 12th century what, UFO sightings? And mm, well, actually, no, there's some in the 12th century, some in the 13th century, and then all of a sudden it's straight to the 20th century. Wow. Goes straight to the 40s and 50s. So what were they in the 12th century, like a seagull or something? So let's have a look. So religious pilgrims in southwest England reported seeing a glowing fire-belching dragon emerge from the sea, flying into the air and disappearing into the sky. But that's not an Elkley Moor, because that's the southwest of England. No, no. No, I was going to say, I am just, just just looking up UFO sightings in the United okay. Kingdom. And then there was in the 13th century, there was something in, in St. Albans, a glowing, flowing light. Mm. And uh, yeah, don't know. Anyway. So they're just like meteors or something in it? Could be, could be. Um, yeah, and, and centuries of nothing. Anyway, yeah, so that's pretty much it, I think. So I thought we'd have more to say about Nick Pope. We kind of covered him a little bit at the start. Um, we could talk a bit more about his blog, but it's not the, uh, 
This isn't a night podcast. Yeah. No. Oakley Mall. I'm sure you could go on. Let's have a look. Charles Ford Institute. There's um. I looked up there as well, and they've. I mean, I would just say that there's a lot of people sort of talking about going out there and checking things out. The general consensus seems to be that people think it's um, it's either a hoax or a, you know, the photograph doesn't really prove much, and it could be could be some sort of wild animal, could be like a dog or something. No, it's not that. But yeah, one of the bottom claims it could be like a gremlin's toy. I don't know. No, actually, I'm on. No, it's not that either. But anyway, the general. The thing is, right, so the problem which I've got is that the people who are saying what it could be are talking out their ass as well. Yeah. So we've got people. People are talking out their ass of like it, you know that it's an alien probably, but then the people who are the skeptics who are trying to debunk it are also talking out their ass. They go, no, it could be gremlins or anything like that. Could be a cutout. It's clearly three dimensional. Do you know what I mean? Like so. Yeah. yeah. No one's talking any sense. <laughs> no, it looks like you know it could be fabricated, obviously, and it's yeah, so very difficult to tell what it is. But um, and it's also slightly suspicious. I think that the person come forward under a pseudonym. Although, as we've seen in last week's episode, well, if not, you know, somebody, somebody had their life down. ruined for, for you know coming forward. But well, this was a retired police officer, so well, yeah. maybe that's it as well. He wouldn't be allowed in the lodge. Well, yeah, that's true. Could be. Could be if he was revealing. Revealing secrets. Can't be uh, doing that, can you? Make up your own minds, listeners. But uh, we don't know, do we? We don't know what the Freemasons know about aliens and the on the higher a lot more, higher more than you think. Yeah, probably. I don't know, Neil. It's, it's probably like the you know the the, the big mystery at the top. What that, that there's an alien? Yeah, <laughs> just controlling the Freemasons. Yeah. Okay. Well, interesting, Neil. Yeah. Interesting. Zeno's in charge. Interesting thought to lead the series on. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We've we've now revealed the 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 the, 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 the final mystery. That is the topper on the end of series five. The Freemasons are run by aliens. An alien. An alien. Yeah. Just it's out. We have alternative, discovered who, yeah. altern, alternative we'll keep living digging. form. That's what it stands for. Um, okay, then. Or should we go to our scoring system? <laughs> Might as well. For one last time before one a little break. this series, yeah. Okay, Neil, spooky now. Again, it's not massively spooky. It wasn't, I mean, it was in the mists on the moor rather than in the dark like this the time. week. Yeah. The top, yeah, actually, this one is more spooky than last week because um, your chap got abducted by the sounds of it um, or seems to when he's gone through hypnotic regression or whatever they're calling it. Um yeah, I, I don't think I'd fancy getting kind of like um, doing medical experiments on me, but it I sounds like it's just in the you know reasonably harmless ones. It doesn't seem to come any the worse for it. Although we don't we don't we don't really hear anything up to date from the from the source. Might have um, just been doing that thing with the little hammer on the knee to take test his reflexes and stuff. Yeah, it just sounds like they were sort of like something in the mouth and the nose and stuff like that. It's probably not too invasive. It sounds so, like a COVID test. Yeah, could have been, could have been. They they were out by you know. Good, good while. Otherwise, they could have sorted sorted us out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so that you know, I think it, yeah, getting we're starting to to craft this guy is quite spooky. Um, that would that would sort of, but it doesn't sound like they had any particularly malign intent. Um, they actually shared some films with him for reasons that cannot be uh, known, but they didn't sound like particularly pleasant ones. And I mean, who knows what what that second film was all about? Mm. So. Well, That's we all, may never know. 
we may never know. So that's kind of spooky. So yeah, I'm going to give it a six. Not not inherently massively spooky, but yeah. So um, last week. the alien itself is more spooky than the Tin Man. Yes, because it's less less like just someone, just some bloke in a silver suit. Yeah. Um, it's got different dimensions and stuff. So it does look it does look different. So um so it looks more like an alien. It doesn't look like what you might think of as an alien, yeah. Yeah, it looks more like that. Um it looks more it kind of looks like a green orangutan. Mm. That's what it bush reminds comes me alive. of. Yeah. Yeah, or living That's bush. Like yeah, orangutan, living bush, photo. all of those famous natural things. Um, so I think if you, you know, the malls are quite empty and stuff. So I think if you, I think it'd be quite spooky if you, yeah. if you bumped into this motherfucker, um, losing an hour, then you find out that you've lost time. And then, um, I don't know whether he remembers the stuff after his regression testing, which I believe it's called, uh, the hypnosis. I don't know if then like. That that's jogged the memories, then he can remember them all the time, or whether they're buried deep. I don't know. I don't know. But it's definitely more spooky than last week's one. So I'm going to go with you and give it six. So believability. Um, so the anonymity doesn't help. Um, I mean, there is. I mean, the the picture exists, so that's true. Um, and it's not. So it looks. I mean, it. Like with you know, like with pretty much everything, right? You can you could fabricate something for a photo, yeah. like, but that's like you know, you could have like a giant insectoid alien, and you could fabricate it and take a picture. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's there's not much you couldn't, yeah, you couldn't make a model of and go and take a picture of it. So that just has to be said for for pretty much any of these. Um. But I mean, it. But saying that, it's not. It's not obviously like someone in a suit, or it's clearly like a cow lying down, or something like that. Yeah. It is. It is. You know, it is something odd. Um. So, and I can't tell if the person believes it or not. Um. So it's a. It's a tricky one. I'm. I'm going to go. I'm going to go six again, Neil. Okay, I'm slightly lower on this one because I think it's, there's, there's various different factors in the balance here. So, one, there is a photo, so that's something. The photo isn't completely obviously explained, but obviously it could be, you know, could be all sorts yeah. of things we want to hoax. Um, the fact that the person is anonymous, there could be various reasons for that, but that's a bit of a red flag. Although, having said that, you know, somebody who did work in Ministry of Defence on this stuff, but potentially, you know, can be paid to say things. Um, who knows? I'm not saying that that's the case, but you know, they, let's just say if, if if Nick Pope was really sort of as he would have been in his job, which is pretty sceptical and saying, "Well, we can't really explain this, but it doesn't mean it's a UFO or whatever." If he was doing that, he wouldn't be getting work, right? Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. You wouldn't be getting work, so you've kind of got a. Push, you know, but well, I, I won't speculate one way or another on that. But well, um, I will, and enough. I have. And if Nick's got a problem with that, then I'm not hard to find. I'll see him on the cobbles. There you go. Um, 
but yeah, you know, but somebody in authority has has what it's like, but anyway, it rounds out. I'm on the fence. I'll give it a five. It's more random. I mean, do I believe it's an alien? No, I'm not really convinced about that. Um, is it believable generally? Because I think this is the other factor. I think people generally aren't that taken in by it. You know, no. the consensus isn't that well. You never know. Other than kind of the fact that somebody with with a, with a decent amount of authority on this has said that it's quite intriguing and does give it a bit more credence. So, but yeah, it ends up with a five for me. Okay, narrative premise. Um, I think there's more to to the narrative premise on this one than the previous week because you've got, I mean, you've got the abduction again, but that's kind of like so far, so what. But having said that, I don't think we've come across one where they were showing them films before. No, come like man in a high castle. as well as to. Well, I've shown you two films, and I'm not going to. We can't talk about the second film, so it could be all sorts of speculation about what that film is, or you could. Mm-hmm. So that gives it a little bit of a hook. The fact that the abduction only came to light after months after after he had the regression therapy or whatever it's whatever you're calling it regression therapy. testing. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So I, I think there's um, and and then there's the whole kind of like yeah. You know, be, I think it's quite good, a good um, picturesque kind of location. So, like, you know, that gives it all a, a nice... Well, and the moors are mysterious, aren't they? They're always, mm. like, all throughout kind of folk history and stuff, the moors are always seen as kind of a mysterious area and, like, you know, where like werewolves or, like, you know, people see fey folk or whatever yeah, on the moors. Exactly. Uh, yeah, they're meant to be places that are that kind of throughout British history... Have always been kind of a bit, oh, yeah, a bit different, a bit unusual. So, um, so yeah, I, th- I think there's there's a there's a few hooks than uh, there than your than your normal UFO tale, but it's not it's not amazing. So I'll give it a six. Six, um, yeah. I mean, bro- broadly, broadly the same for me. Um, the abduction bit and the lost time add a bit to it. Uh, it's a it's another one that's a bit of a one and done. Yeah. Um, there isn't the romance that there was with the Tin Man one, which is you know a no, shame. Because um, you know we all need a bit of romance in our lives. Um, so yeah, there's not much else to. It. I'm going to give it. I, do you know what I'm giving it a four? I don't. I don't Fair rate. Enough. I don't rate it. <laughs> and reach pretty big, especially in ufology circles. Uh, I've certainly heard of it, but, but you know I'm unusual in the amount of stuff like that I I watch. Yeah, um, for research purposes, and also telling yourself that. Well, it's it's easy, isn't it? Yeah. Just watch it, like you know, it's like when we used to watch the Three Angels Network when we were travelling. That was good. I'm rapture ready. Are you? Indeed, I am. Um, so. No, it's very different to watching that. That was unbearable. Um, without a lot of drink. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's got, you know, it's my mum wouldn't have heard of it, I don't think. But, I mean, it was in all the big newspapers and stuff in the UK, and it has certainly, it is known in America and stuff. So uh, I'll give it 7 nil. Yeah, probably broadly similar. I don't think it's not one of the massive, massive ones. It's not like a, a Nessie or a Bigfoot or anything like that. Um, but it was reasonably well known at the time. It's well known in ufology circles, but but how that how much that translates into general urban myth. So I'm going to give it a six. That gives us an overall score of forty six. Fairly high. Not too bad. Fairly high. 
So um, finish up the season four. Yeah, yeah, that that's it for this series. Um, we hope you've enjoyed it, and um, we will be back with the new series. Well, we've got a couple of new things. So over the Christmas period, starting Christmas Day through to New Year's Eve, we will be putting out um, a series every night, uh, short, shorter pod, 30 to 40 minutes each day. And we will start series six proper on the 4th of January. Um, if you've got any uh, suggestions or comments or anything like that, you're always welcome to email us at herburb.legends with an S dot podcast at gmail.com. Or you can always get in touch on Twitter slash X at Legends Urbane. And uh, yeah, that's it. Thanks for listening. Uh, I hope you've got some enjoyment from this. Uh, next couple of weeks, there will be a couple of the uh, classic episodes that I'll, I'll put together. Um, but apart from that, um, we will see you back for the mini-series over Christmas. And, uh, yeah, I hope you have a, a good few weeks. And, uh, yeah, I hope you've enjoyed it or got something out there, even if it was hate listening. So from me, that's goodbye for this series. Goodbye. Goodbye.